0: Until we really know ourselves as humans and all those things that go along with us being a human, our characteristics, our personalities, the roles that we play. As we get to know that more through seeking the truth of who we are, that's really when we know if we're in this punishing mindset or not because it's gonna ebb and flow. It's gonna morph. It's There's gonna be, you're gonna have 15 years of a non-punishing mindset and then you're going to have one moment and if you're not awake and ready for it you're going to miss it and you're going to punish yourself right but that punishment is exactly what you need to wake up to the next opportunity so you can't screw this up you guys you can't screw this up this is your life your journey and we are grateful to be guides on this path for you. Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. I'm Jess, your host, and I'm here with Beige and we are here with our May edition of Ask the YTs. This is episode 211. We are officially over four years old with this pod, and we want to thank everybody every single time you tune in. You guys, the podcast world is vast and huge and massive, and you guys are choosing to listen to what we believe are meaningful conversations, and uh, we thank you for that I want to give a shout out to our Patreon community. You guys are like up-leveling pledges and new people are joining. And I feel like finally we have hit upon something that is not only really needed right now because yoga studios are closed, but something that people are wanting, which is we're offering live yoga classes via Zoom two times a week. And so for $10 a month, and these are coronavirus quarantine pricing, for $10 a month, you guys, you have access to classes co-taught by Beej and I. It's a super cool way for us to connect with our community. And um, 100% honesty, you guys, I think it's actually going to be pulling me out of the studio. I don't know if I'm going to go back to teaching at a studio because I can teach um, the YT peeps from the comfort of my home. What do you think, Beads? Like what do you how are you feeling about this whole yoga thing and the Patreon community growing?
1: I love to see it finally onto something like
0: finally the, onto something getting some interaction yeah. there
1: which is which is amazing and offering up what they want. And we ask that to our patrons like what do you want to see? What do you want? Um, and I think the yoga is a good is a good fit for that. So if there's something out there that you want, Patreon members, let us know. And if you're not a Patreon member, like this is a great time to get on board and if you like listening to the podcast and want to engage more and get to know us more, or, um, as far as teaching yoga, you know, I'm I'm a little bit different. I, I am newer to being a yoga teacher. So I like being in front of a classroom, like actual human beings live. Um, so I am planning to return. That's my plan. I, I like to be up there. It gives me an opportunity to to strengthen this voice that is starting to, or has become a big part of who I am. And it allows me to interact with, with a community. And I think back to attending all of your classes at, at RIPI and Newport Power Yoga. I think I went to, like, if it wasn't your class, I don't think I went. And I went to probably five times, uh, five of your classes a week. And so you had all this time to be up there and enjoy your Oh, I was teaching
0: 12 to 15 yogis. 12 to 15 classes yeah, a but week. Yeah, this is just
1: yeah, exactly. So, so I
0: I had years like years of um just all these experiences in the classroom. And I love it, love it, love it. And I think this is these are kind of the the tough decisions that we make when we live from our heart because what I just said to BJ before we turned these mics on is like anything that's taking me away from writing this book that I'm writing is it's it's like a no-go unless it's an absolute priority for our life and so um and it's so funny that I just mentioned the book because after the last Ask the YTs I was like why did we put that out there oh my god there's so much pressure oh my god the book sucks what if I don't get it done and here I am again talking about this freaking book that just keeps moving through me. So um, it's, yeah, it's coming to life. And, uh, and I did get some feedback from people who listen to the podcast and they're excited to read it, which I then internalized and put even more pressure on me. But then when I did some uh, quick inner work, I realized that nobody's putting pressure on me. We can release that pressure, you guys. All we have to do is right now. And right now I'm just here with you all engaging and um what my intention is to be another meaningful conversation conversation 211
1: let's get it going okay what do you want to talk about oh let's let's catch them up on what's been going on well actually the biggest news is what's happening next weekend i'm racing a legit
0: and it's not not a virtual race
1: (laughs) it's a legit race that was on the schedule and they're going through with it actually being the pioneers in the ultra running community to put on a race that's safe and open and willing to see what what comes of it and they've been very transparent in how they're going to run the race and their expectations and if it aligns with you great and if it doesn't that's great too but I think this is a really important pivotal uh, race and You were training for 100 miles, not 50.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about the most awesome thing was that I was training for 100 miles, but the 100 mile got canceled. So now all I have to do is 50 and I'm so ready to do 50. That is, what a bonus. Like the 100 mile, the Tahoe 100 miler, it's the gift that just keeps giving. It just keeps giving to me. So yeah, Bryce Canyon Ultras are on for next weekend. And, you know, I kept training. I kept training and when the 100 got canceled, I kept training because Bryce was still on and I never dropped the momentum and I, when I got that email that it was on, I mean, gratitude just flooded my body. And um, I listened to their live video and, you know, they were like, hey, listen, you guys, we went out there trying to find a no. We talked to the police. We talked to the BLM guys. We talked to the Department of Health. We talked to local businesses. We talked to the community. Like they talked to everybody and everyone said, there's no reason why you can't do this as long as you take the measures, you know? And so they're just like, drive up, get out of your car, start the race. When you finish the race, go through the finish line, get in your car and leave, you know. So um, I do love the race environment, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to be less uh, enthused by the aid station people just because there's not spectators there. That's not really going to affect my experience because my motivation is internal and it's not external. So anyway, we're leaving next week and... Yeah, I'm a couple days away from race week, which I'm so excited about. And I love everybody that I've told that it's on and that I'm racing has felt similar. Just grateful, grateful to see that somebody is is literally blazing the trails. It's
1: quite a, um, a leap in this.
0: And I love being part of that.
1: Right, exactly. That's what I was I was getting to is like the the alignment with what you're what you are as a trail runner. And as a human being and as a yogi and meditator aligns with this particular race, they're, they're bl- literally blazing the trails to see um, how this is all going to work out. And they're willing to suffer whatever the consequences are. Uh, or the ramifications are of what happens at this point. yeah,
0: they're like, this isn't a good business decision, you guys, right. but they feel like they need to do it, and I respect that a hundred percent. and I also respect a hundred percent if somebody's listening to this and they are not in agreement with it. I one hundred percent respect that because there is no consensus that is right. The only thing is, are we living from what we feel is aligned for us? and so um
1: and there's nothing there's nothing more important than that aspect right there trying to trying to force your opinion or persuade others to join your side if they're not aligned with it is showcasing where you are in your journey and and i'm speaking from personal experience right
0: because i did that to you
1: but i've done that to you or other people like they because i'm doing this they should do they should do it too but it's choice this is why we do the work on ourselves you know, it's so important to have that alignment, faith, uh, trust, uh, courage, the ball of who you are be so strong in its foundation that it doesn't matter what others do. It's what you believe in for yourself. That I'm learning more and more that that is the essence of, of the work that we're doing here is to bring up who we truly are. And when you jump on board with that, It doesn't matter what others do. It really doesn't. It's good. It'll incite things. It does for us. We talk about it, but we notice it. And then we'd choose to laugh at it because it's not something we choose to indulge in. It's a great great experience and process. And I, I wouldn't have it any other way. So yeah, I'm super excited to just hop in the car and go for a road trip.
0: And well, first, I want to finish off this by just saying that, um, Being a part of something that's pushing the boundaries, being a part of something that's risky, being a part of something that's controversial, being a part of something that really is unknown is so up my alley, and I'm so excited to be a part of it. But what I was going to say is, and we get on Airbnb and we find this amazing brand new tiny home that we rented on this gorgeous plot of land. It's called the Tiny Home on the Hill. So we're going to live in a proper tiny home for uh four days next week with Clark
1: it's gonna be so awesome. there's so much to look forward to yeah
0: and you get to pace me oh
1: yes and for what 13 about 13 miles yeah
0: a little over 13 miles so you'll pick me up uh no little under 13 miles so you'll pick me up just after the 37 mile mark and um and then uh, I was kind of telling you about the course yesterday I saw you a little disappointed with the last couple of miles being downhill (laughs) <laughs> if you, if been, you want more of a grind, dude, sign up. You've been, Do one. You can't, no, you can't sign up for can't this. Can't sign up
1: for this race. <laughs> They're not accepting anybody new. But yeah, I will be out there. You took me yesterday on some hill intervals. Yeah. Some two-mile uphill intervals.
0: Yeah, I love intervals um, on trails. It's like, it's not 20 seconds. It's two miles up, two miles <laughs> down. Okay. Uh, what's happening with you?
1: Wow. So yeah, everything's shift. I have no races. Everything's been moved to next year, except for Santa Rosa, 70.3. I don't know when that's going to be rescheduled, uh, but I'm just planning on it next year. Um, So right now it looks like I have this feeling that September is going to be a strong month for races. I think August is going to be the transition month. This is my personal opinion based on nothing whatsoever, but it's just what I feel. Uh, September, and I tune into a lot of what I feel. Uh, September is going to be where this... The key for races. And I think Ironman St. George, which is now in September in uh, Chattanooga. But Chattanooga is actually Kona qualifiers for 2021. Um, So I believe that St. George and then there's one week after that, which is uh, I don't know what race. Nothing in the U.S. or maybe Florida. Basically, Florida and St. George are the last two races to qualify for Kona in the U.S. And so Florida. Yeah, because that got moved
0: uh oh, i believe it's not in november anymore. oh texas
1: sorry not florida texas okay sorry confusing you texas and saint george got it so i don't want to do texas uh, i feel more aligned with saint george i don't know what i'm doing to be honest i'm just really enjoying my training right now and biking and running uh, a lot and actually running a lot um a lot. I mean, I'm running every day. I've got a streak. What am I? Today will make 70 days straight of running at least two miles. Um, I've hit some 50 mile weeks. I hit one 60 mile week and uh, very minimal trail work, um, but that trail run is is a quality session. So I feel really durable and strong right now, still doing my strength work. So what's to come? I'll be ready, whatever pops up, but there's nothing. You've heard me toy around with some Everesting options. Daily. Daily. Some smoothie bowl competitions.
0: <laughs> I'm hearing a lot
1: of time. I don't know what I'm going to be doing. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just having fun. This is a great time for, for You're someone. You're in
0: discovery and creation. Yeah.
1: What I'm extremely grateful for is not to be attached to anything. I'm not attached to all these races. Ones that are coming, ones that have been postponed or canceled. It's just... I'm in the flow, whatever, whatever will speak to me, I'll, I'll pursue. And I, I'm not going to stop momentum. It's really, really strong right now.
0: Well, because if you, if you halt your momentum forward in your training, you're going to start going in another direction, which is not the direction that you want to go in.
1: Yes. You start creating momentum so you've got, in the opposite. Exactly.
0: There, You're always creating. You guys, we are always creating. We are always creating every moment. I, and I post this every now and again, kind of similar message, similar words. So we're always creating in every moment. Most people, I did this for years, decades. Most people are creating by default, meaning we're not awake and ready in the moment. So life is having its way with us. And when we're creating by default, this is why we create similar cycles in our life that we don't feel we can get out of because we're not awake and ready in the moment. When we live awake and ready, we can see, we start calling bullshit on these narratives, on these cycles, on these stories that don't serve us, that don't serve our families, our communities, the world at large, and our dreams. And it's in those moments that we can start to shift and drive momentum in the direction that, of the life that we desire. And we have a right to live the life we desire. We, it is our birthright. The desire that is spoken to you from your heart, from going within and being in stillness with the truth of who you are. And that, you guys, is why you're here. We're here to pursue that. We're here to live um, our worldly purpose. Which is those things that sit on your heart that you're like, oh, I should, oh, I know I've been wanting to do that for a long time. Do it. And there's never been a better time to start doing it. I'm reading this book by Diane Collins Do You Quantum Think? And she's the first person who has said, like, yeah. The worldly, like the thing that's on your heart, that actually needs to be your job. She says that needs to be your profession because that's the thing that you came here to share and it should absolutely be the priority. So I love that because that's a new perspective. Most perspectives I've heard are like, it doesn't have to be your job, it could be a hobby. But I kind of like the directness and the firmness of that. It's like, no, why wouldn't you? live your worldly purpose as a way to live in a financially abundant life as well because what your purpose is that thing that sits on your heart is why you came here and we have to share it with the world so we can become a deliberate creator by being awake and ready in our life so
1: beautifully said beautifully said
0: Thank you, honey. Should we dive into some questions? Let's do it. All right. Wait, I have one more question for you, and then we're going to dive into um, Daniel's question, vegan-powered athlete, because it's um, kind of along the same. I want to know what the trail running, how you feel the trail running has enhanced your training for triathlon. New question. Just got submitted. There it is. (laughs) This one comes from me.
1: (laughs) You know, the the longer trail runs because they have been longer like i'm talking two to four to five hours uh with lots of elevation it seemed like during this covid um pandemic doing the the, the telega loop over and (laughs) over again shout out to dave wiskowski who has (laughs) annihilated the thought that i have that i loved loops he has trashed that idea and really does love loops um but the trail running to me is is giving me permission to go easier uh, on myself. Like the easy days can be easy, and easy on the trails doesn't mean I'm just walking. I'm still running and and, and hiking up hills and bombing down hills. But it's a it's a different sort of. Um, aspect to the training element so I have more freedom into what I can do and what I've done is just embrace it as a day where I'm going to walk I'm going to hike I'm going to fuel well I'm going to have an adventure I'm going to notice resistance to going faster down uh uneven terrain it's just a learning opportunity for me but physically I think it's allowed my body to use different movements and adjustments and directions uh to to showcase areas where i i may have to do a little bit more work and i'm believe firmly that it's made me a more durable triathlete for sure uh there's no way i'd be able to well i shouldn't say no way there's always a way but i'm more confident now in running 40 or 50 miles a week because i feel the durability i don't feel broken down i don't feel that I get to the end of a 10 or 13 mile run on the roads and I'm not limping around. Uh, I actually feel fresh and renewed. And maybe it's because I'm looking forward to the trail. Like I'm actually looking forward to that session where I just get out there and be in the wilderness with you. Um, but yeah, it's also spent given us time to spend together more time. And, yeah. and actually to be being your coach, to see you running and to see you moving and navigating and how you shift around these trails that you come back and tell me about all the time, so yeah, I, I think it's it's a really important practice to get outside your comfort zone. Is basically what it is.
0: And sometimes I put you out of my com- out of your comfort zone. Like yesterday, you were trying to hold me back. How so? After I tumble, I had a little rough and got a little rough and tumble on the trail yesterday, and then you were like walking in front of me, like holding me back, and I was like, this does not work.
1: And then did you run around me? Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> did I pursue?
0: No. <laughs> no, you were not in high pursuit.
1: So I gave you the opportunity, but to, it
0: was like my it was like my whole like I will not be held back right. in this life. It was really cool to feel that. But again. I felt no
1: I felt no like you're gonna go run go run you're gonna do what you want to do. But I chose I saw that as a sign for me to just you got to be super present like this is important for you. That's my experience. So yeah, you can go and you went off and ran and that was fine. I don't mind walking, taking it slow. I was cool with that. Yeah. It's interesting to hear your perspective.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't like that feeling of being held back. Yeah. Um, But I am glad that I'm okay. Daniel has got a question. What is the best strategy during an ultra for hills? Power walk or light jog? So, I mean, I think I'll just quickly, and then I'll hand it over to the coach. But um, my own experience is that, you know, stuff that I used to power hike I'm now jogging or running um so and it depends on the day you know because it just I'm a different runner every day so I think at when you first start for me it was a lot more walking and now things that I like I said things that I used to walk up I'm now running up so it's a progression and when did I start doing this so I'm just over three years into running on the trails and I've seen a progression every single year as I continue to get stronger
1: Think the it depends comes into this uh, question for daniel and how you approach it is exactly how i would recommend you start walking it and you power hike it and then maybe you run slash walk and then maybe you're running things that you couldn't before but it, it, you have to build that foundation first and so think about it when if you see a hill and you're you're capable of running up the hill in the long-term race is that the most beneficial thing for you is it is it super important for you to run up this one hill to be get to the top out of breath and use the down to recover again and again right that's one way to go but but how much time are you if and we're talking racing i guess right
0: yeah i mean i think yeah, because I was thinking about the racing. I think yeah. we kind of answered the training one. Yeah. Is that eventually you're going to get stronger on eventually the Eventually you're going to get
1: stronger. But, but in racing, it's it's really important. to It depends on the distance and how much endurance you have because those hills are going to constantly take, uh, they're going to uh, burn matches. Matches are going to be burnt. Like if you go hard, I'm talking hard up the hills. So in my experience and what I've seen you do, it's it's a gradual, gradual progression as you get deeper into the race fatigue is going to build up so i'm assuming for most people these steeper hills are going to be walkable you know you maybe will run the first few maybe run walk and then you're going to move to a walk just because of the attrition of a long endurance trail run that doesn't mean that's what it has to be for you you know there's there's you could do a reverse progression maybe walk the first few hills um, maybe walk run but i I just feel as you get deeper into a race five six seven hours fatigue really shows itself and you want to be you want to be fresh and awake for those downhills you want to be aware of your of your footing and what's going on because your muscles are weaker your mind is drifting off so presence is is super important but yeah just keep practicing hills i can't I can't stress enough how important hill workouts are like on the trail but also on the roads here we have a little run out here where we call the up downs so we have this two parallel streets well two streets are parallel and you go up bounce up and down up down up down i think we do it it's a if you go out and back it's three miles so you're constantly going up and down nothing too steep but it allows you to feel the power that you can generate going up the hill and how you Carry yourself down, and I think that's a good gauge when you're not on the trail and you don't have to worry about your footing like on the road, you can really get a nice sense of of where you are with with hill hill repeats, so yeah, definitely practice those I'd say once if not twice a week,
0: yeah, and you know i I remember at the beginning like it was almost like a decision like I was just going to walk every hill um and so just watch those hard lines, like I walk the hills and I you know, run everything else. So just every, every hill is a, is a new one and every day you're in a new body because even from the time that we started recording this podcast to now, all of our bodies are different. We are in different bodies. So, and I have also over these years started to really understand how I can use my road training to support my trail racing. And I think that it will work the opposite way, the trail training as a way to support road racing and triathlon.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. It's
0: cool. I, I think it's a, great, it's a great cross train for sure because trail running is just such a different sport.
1: I think also the ego comes into a place here too when, you're, when you see others running up the hill and you want to run.
0: Yeah, I know. I said to you. I was like, you better put some fast runs up on Strava because if anybody sees these runs that you're doing with me, they're going to be like, I don't want that guy as my <laughs> coach. But I think that's a huge testament to your relationship with your ego is that you you don't care. Like you're confident in who you are and and your role as a coach because that's what was placed on your heart and you've already risked everything to do that. So, who cares if you have a 13-minute pace on a 20-mile run on the trail. Um, Okay, next question comes from Bill. My question for the YT podcast is to ask you to talk more about how we can uncouple from the punishing mindset of sport and treat ourselves better, in turn unlocking more physical and mental progress. I've heard it said so many times that, oh, yeah, triathletes are all type A. This label can be worn as a badge of courage, and it becomes an excuse for treating our bodies less than optimally. Wonder if you could talk more about this in a future pod. Let me think about that, Beach.
1: The label of type A athletes, I I think that's that gained momentum a little while ago, you know, especially for triathletes and the A type. I maybe it's because of the circles I'm in, but I don't see that as much.
0: I don't think your type. I don't think you're a type A person. No. I was a super type A person coming oh, yeah. into triathlon. So, um, so yeah, I think it's, it's perspective. It's perspective.
1: So the same thing with the beating of the body and the badge of honor. Like, I think it's, it's perspective. Like, what's your perspective on that? Do you feel, do you feel like you're beating up your, like, get in touch with your like, spend some time with yourself. Are you, do you feel like you're beating up your body? Step outside for a moment and see how, What's happening in your in your daily training? Are you capable of stepping away and taking a day off and being okay with that? I think that's important. It sort of separates how tied you are to the sport or the label or the fitness or the, the physical appearance or any of that stuff. So um, it's a great time to question, question yeah. your relationship to this sport or who you are as an athlete.
0: I think that's the essence of of uh, what Bill is asking here is uncoupling this um, like the punishing mindset is really like the first step you guys in healing let's use healing if we're talking about a punishing mindset is to really see and accept where you are right now so I saw and very much accepted that I was in that punishing mindset when I began um, as a triathlete And that's where I was. I was that triathlete that was running from herself. I was 100% hands down. So it wasn't until I started to develop this relationship with who I am. Um, And when when we say the truth of who we are, uh, who we are, I mean, I'm really talking about getting a deeper relationship or even any kind of relationship with the essence of who you are, which is really the light, the, the source, the energy that breathes all life. That's who you truly are. And so when we start to make our way through all the layers, through stillness, through just paying attention to how we're moving through the world, you guys, That's a, if you're like, hell no, I'm not meditating, just start paying attention How do you shut the car door? Do you slam it or do you shut it? How do you close a drawer? How do you feel when a voicemail pops up? How do you brush your teeth? How do you shower? How do you wash your hair? You know, start to pay attention to how you're moving through the world. And you're going to learn so much about if you are in that punishing type of mindset. Because it's not just reserved for triathlon there's other places in your life that you're doing it too. how do you talk about yourself what do you think about yourself what are the dialogues that's how we really start to uncouple ourselves um by creating the space between where our awareness is and all that noise and being able to see how we're moving through the world i think that that's um i think that that's really big uh and
1: scary because when you create that space it uncovers a lot of a lot of quiet time mm-hmm. even if it's if it was 1 second and now it's 5 seconds that's still more time where you're getting to choose based on presence based on uh challenging your default like that's the that's the that's the golden era right area right there where you can make change and it gets it gets scary because you you uncover things that deep down you know all right, but may not be acceptable to your current community or relationship with who and what you do.
0: And that's when you really have to start getting, being brave. And when you do start to shine a light on some things that perhaps you're like, oh, I don't want to do that anymore. Know that there's people around you who, and this isn't necessarily a conscious thing, but they need you not to change they need you to stay the same because that's a constant that's something they can rely on that's a known in their that's, life
1: that's why family brings up stories of, <laughs> yes. oh my god remember you used to you used to and i hear that like you used to do this but that's honestly that's not me anymore
0: right so it's independent of all that external stimulus it's our responsibility To find out who we are and what we love and how we are um, rewarding or punishing ourselves. And there is no hard consensus on this. You've got all this different languaging, all the stimulus, this podcast, these words that you're hearing right now. And it's really when you're out there and you're training or you're coming back from training or you're getting ready for a workout, pay attention. Are you dreading it? Are you um, unsatisfied with it? Or do you feel like, I just did that IG story the other day. Um, If you haven't listened to it, Bill, go to my Instagram page and listen to it. And it's about how I was having some sensation in my hip that was not allowing me to run uh, late last week. And we went out on Sunday on a trail run, and oh my gosh, you did hold me back, and it was a really good thing. Um, isn't that funny?
1: She selectively
0: yeah <laughs> enjoys but, what I do. But then again, you did get you were getting resistance from me because I, the mind was like, "You haven't done enough. You need to do more." And I would say that is a punishing mindset because if I let it loose that day, um, that would not have been good for me. So you uh, you it's like high alert all the time because the mind is super tricky and it wants to control everything.
1: And that's why as a coach to being a fluid, being fluid, being present, this what we did Sunday does not apply to what we did yesterday. If I had held firm in holding you back, right? Then the experience would have been even, would have been atrocious. But being there present, feeling the I could feel the vibe, I could feel the sensation, feel that energy that you just needed to do your but, thing.
0: Yeah. And the thing but, was yesterday I was fine.
1: Right. So it can, Sunday I was not fine. The not body fine.
0: was not fine.
1: So this is the fluidity of it. Mm-hmm. This is why, this is the very essence of why Yogi Triathlete exists as a coaching business. This is it. Like it, it, if you provide instant feedback, you're going to get instant re- response. Like what applies to you on an experience on Sunday may not apply to athlete X on sunday and then four days later like you have to be fluid four days earlier you weren't even running at all five days earlier than that you were doing the four by four (laughs) by 48 (laughs) so this is it you can't write a plan for this stuff this is this is my take on it as a coach and it's it's what i i believe in and it's 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 celebrating the uniqueness of each individual human yes and i just Literally an hour or two hours ago, posted on my Instagram page that quote, which I really, really embrace. it's do you are you going to work to be the best version of you or the second best version of someone else? It's really powerful.
0: well, that's a really that's powerful. another message from the Gita is, you know, it is better to to live your path fully and fail than it is for you to try and live the Dharma of another. Like we have to, so, so really Bill, the, well first of all Bill, we're so glad that you're on the team and that you've got BJ as your guide and so you guys can have further dialogue on this. But until we really know ourselves as humans and all those things that go along with us being a human, our characteristics, our personalities, the roles that we play, as we get to know that more through seeking the truth of who we are. That's really when we know if we're in this punishing mindset or not, because it's going to ebb and flow. It's going to morph. It's There's going to be, you're going to have 15 years of a non-punishing mindset, and then you're going to have one moment. And if you're not awake and ready for it, you're going to miss it and you're going to punish yourself. Right. But that punishment is exactly what you need to wake up to the next opportunity. So you can't screw this up, you guys. You can't screw this up. This is your life, your journey, and we are grateful to be guides on this path for you.
1: You're writing writing your plan right now. You're writing your life as we speak in each experience. Yeah. So you're writing your book.
0: And also um, Ahimsa, right? So the tenants. Oh, non-harm. It just doesn't
1: mean non-harm for animals or outside. It can be harmful to you
0: yeah it's like when you cut open that avocado are you scooping it out gently or are you digging the spoon in there and you're stabbing at it with the knife to slice it up look in your life where there is ahimsa where there nonviolence, and where there is violence and violence doesn't mean pulling a gun and shooting something it could be a thought slamming the drawer right everything is is energy everything is energy and so we're affecting that energy with our energy Um, so Ahimsa, I remember a couple of assignments my teacher gave me early on. One was the Ahimsa and I was like, whoa, I'm slamming stuff all over the place. Um, so that was a light that got shined pretty bright and the other one was attachment. So maybe that's a story for another day. All right. I hope that helps. Um, I love that question. I've been there and, uh, and then I see little trinkets of it showing up in my life now. All right. And then, yeah, I guess on your post today, Bill's got another question about um, proper standing position. So t- talk about the post that you put out there today, and then we can talk, and then Bill's question will make more sense. It's really what is that proper standing position?
1: Yeah, I, I posted today about my anterior pelvic tilt, which has become more pronounced as I've, you know, become more aware of my body. And it's not a a sentence that I need to, you know, it's not a story I need to believe in. Um, it's a story that I challenge that I can change this and work towards uh, a stronger, more uh, durable, um, capable body. And as I age, it's no more important than it than right now to capture that. And I posted today about updog slash cobra pose, which allows for you to open up your uh, open up your chest and your hip flexors. Which, when you start to investigate the body, everything's connected. There's everything is uh, uh, affecting something else, and I think I learned that from you really when you were in massage school. And I'd be like, but. Ca- and you'd work on me, I would say my calf, my left calf is super, super tight. And you wouldn't work my left calf. You were working like my hamstring or my right shoulder, like somewhere else because you knew my body. Um, but also because you understood that it, that was just the symptom. And so, yeah, you can look at a, uh, anterior pelvic tilt, which is when the belly sticks out further than the butt. There's like a little cave in the back, lower back area is my understanding yeah, of this. Yeah, so there's
0: an exaggerated Curve in the lumbar spine. So, the two points on the front of your hips, those are your anterior superior iliac spine. And those are, um, they would be pointed a little bit more downward, which would create more of an arch in your low back. But then, because the body is so brilliant, what it will do is it will compensate over time and you'll get more rounded through the upper back, which as a triathlete, like you're already on an uphill battle with that. It will close you off through the chest or the heart, we would say, and tighten up those hamstrings while, you know, overstretching the, um, did I say hamstrings? I meant uh, hip flexors. So shortening out those hip flexors so as, and then um,
1: overstretching Mm -hmm.
0: the hamstrings because they're overloaded, then the low back is taken way too much uh, work and then everything that just, the low back starts to get really tight. So is there's whole (laughs) magnificent patterning that happens just because of the way that the pelvis is tilted. And that's not just the pelvis. Like if I'm holding one of my shoulders, you know, it's, it's all going to get balanced out in the body. And that's, that's the brilliance of this temple that we live in.
1: So that really came into my awareness when I had that, Insane lower back injury in 2014, and therefore committed to, you know, a daily yoga practice was one of the remedies, but also some strength and mobility that I got from my buddy Mike Silva, who's also been on the podcast before. And I started to use a standing desk because I realized that a lot of what was occurring in me was happening. Because I sat for long periods of time, so I would train really hard and then sit for eight hours and then train really hard and that balance was not conducive the the body was very it wasn't embracing that it was actually resisting it and it showed it in what i what I experienced was a lower back injury so starting to stand properly was a great opportunity you can get here's the thing you can get the standing desk right now you're you believe you're winning, like now I'm standing, I've got this, I've got this thing locked and loaded. I'm doing yoga. I've got my strength exercises. Then it becomes, am I standing properly?
0: Yeah. How are you standing just in a way that supports the pattern you're already in, which,
1: exactly. which created
0: all of these issues in the body? So yeah. So
1: so I, I think I, what I did was I took pictures of myself standing at my desk and I realized I was, you know, by the By the afternoon, I'm sinking back into the rounded shoulders and I'm stepping, I'm leaning more weight to one side. So I stand more to my left, on my left leg than I do on my right. So you're shifting your body like this and then you stand for a prolonged period of time. And if your computer setup isn't, you know, aligned as it should be, whatever the height or, or, uh, yeah, whatever the height is or proper ergonomics are, then you're going to feel this and i was wise to it early on like i understood that the the standing desk wasn't the solution it was the awareness of my body position at all times even when i go home and stand in the kitchen and so grateful to have you as my my partner because you know the body you would point out what you're standing to the side or look at yourself and there were times here that you would take pictures of it like this is just how you're standing.
0: Sometimes I'll be like working in the bed, right? As you guys know, we live in a little studio, um, and I'll like take a picture from BJ and I'll of BJ, and I'll just text it to him. Like, just so you know, this is what you look like oh, right it's now. It's
1: atrocious. <laughs> so to Bill's point of standing, like, what is proper standing? Proper standing to me is being onto your your movements every moment, like taking the. Uh, taking the awareness factor to a heightened level okay how am i standing do i have both feet firmly pressed on the ground and standing desks you know i've heard that it's great to get one of those mats uh to lighten the the cushion of um of how you're standing um a balanced uh how am i trying to explain this so you're standing square to where you're looking, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Oh, the
0: positioning, you're not at an angle. You're not at an angle. Yeah.
1: And I find this mostly when you come home in the kitchen and you're prepping food, like you're twisting and turning and, and that's where things sort of get a little um, high risk <laughs> to what you're trying to trying to improve upon in your body. So standing up tall, I because I have this interior pelvic tilt that I'm working on, I like to tuck my tail a little bit Jess has some alternative...
0: yeah, like for me, it wouldn't be a tuck of the tail. It's more of thinking about your tail just heading straight down to the ground. Because if we tuck, now we're working into a posterior pelvic tilt, which for you, BJ, is like almost impossible at this point, which doesn't mean it's permanent. But like for you, that's swinging the whole other way. And that creates a whole other... Other, right. ...series of miraculous shifts in the body. (laughs) So it's... It's think about your. I love how you said your feet, right? Because it all starts with the foundation. We don't build houses on foundations of sand. So feel your feet. Are you rolling the weight to the outside of the feet? Press through your big toe. Press through the mound underneath your big toe. That's
1: magic, right there. Yeah, that that's, ch-
0: the big toe the mound. The big toe magic press yeah. is magical, especially for run, like runners, which basically everybody's listening to this. Feel that as you as your feet strike, and then and every body is different, every structure is different, okay. But if you think about shoulders over your hips, which is really what we want for running anyway, I'm just talking about running. Um, and then your ears aligned with your shoulders. So this is where we get into a lot of trouble too: is the forward head posture, where the ears are out in front of the shoulders. So it's great to just stand like you would normally stand, not like you're getting your picture taken and have somebody take your picture or set up the self picture thing and see how you're standing. You're gonna be able to learn a lot from that. And you might be like, oh, I'm amazing, like this is great posture if you start to see any kind of rounding through the shoulders or forward head posture, meaning the ears are over the shoulders, you're adding a lot of weight and strain to your cervical spine, which is only these seven little vertebrae and they're holding the whole weight of your head. You know, if you're somebody who just like core, 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 but the core is never getting strong, perhaps those things have been overstretched by an interior pelvic tilt. So it's really like, where are you now? Let's see, let's accept, let's love where you are now. And then you can start to play with different ways to, to get yourself just taller. I always think about a lot of room between the bottoms of my ribs and the tops of my hips. That's a that's a cue I love. I got that from uh, Renee in teaching. Like you just make a lot of room there. I remember many many years ago being in a, a conference with uh, at for business, and the woman was like, "Okay, how is everybody sitting? Like every like make room for your organs." That's what she said. Make room for your organs, and I was like, that stuck with me. That must have been twenty five years ago. And I love that. I always think about that. Like, am I making room for my organs? So am I long through my torso? And you're just, you're feeling powerful. You're feeling tall and you're feeling um, like nothing is being strained. Like you're nice and stacked. I would say that that's quote unquote proper positioning, knowing that everybody is different and everybody's in a different stage of their postural journey.
1: I think I think that's great. Um and we're talking about this when you feel that big toe. I, I'm talking about this being barefoot too. I think being barefoot is a is a, is an important component to um proper posture, but also uh, uncovering stuff and it usually comes from your feet. You know, the athletes that we work with that, to me that showcase uh, opportunities in in their running form or plantar fasciitis or heel uh they wear high heels so their calves um, and they feel it in their knees a lot of the stuff we do is just just take time to go barefoot in your home walk on the treadmill barefoot for 10 or 15 minutes uh, go walk in the grass go earth earthing go put your feet in in some soil and just walk around barefoot it, this this stuff that we're talking about is not the quick fix it's not like you start doing this in a week later you're gonna feel amazing I've been doing this, I would say, diligently being aware of my body position for only five years, and I'm at a point now where I don't have lower back sensation or pain when I get into aero position or wake up in the morning after workouts, as intense. Like I, it's, What I'm saying is it hasn't gone completely away, but I feel my body position in other areas holding me up. It, I don't feel the lower back is everything's dumping into the, that area. So it takes time, patience. Just think of, you know, for me, I'm 47. So, f- you know, 42 years of, of not paying attention is not going to be undone in five years. It's a process. Uh, I'm just so grateful that I started when I did. Yes. Would I have enjoyed starting earlier? Of course. But that's not where I am and that's not my story. My story is this is who I am as a individual being right now. This is my physical body. I need to take care of it.
0: Yeah, and I think posture and pain has a huge relationship. So if you're curious about it, have somebody take that picture and bring it to your PT or, or somebody that you know, or send it to us and we can take a look at it for you. Because knowing where we are now and accepting that is that's our jumping off point for the, the full encompassing healing. And I keep thinking about Lawrence Van Lingen keeps coming into oh, right, my head. Yeah. Lawrence, who's been on the podcast, he's got a great YouTube channel. So from the noticings of that photo, you might be able to find some things on his YouTube channel um, because he deals a lot with posture.
1: But also, you know, our yoga classes.
0: Or come Come to to yoga. Come to yoga. (laughs) We'll
1: see you standing there when you stand in that mountain pose and your hands are like, you know, spread wide. Like this is this is when you can use that opportunity to to be tall and long.
0: And that's a really powerful pose. We talked with that um, with Philip and Renee, who have been on the podcast. Um, but Philip's been, you know, he's Oh, he's diving been, into that research. Yeah, edu- educating himself at Harvard University about this relationship of mindfulness and meditation and yoga on the body and the mind. And um, this powerful pose, we would say it was mountain pose in yoga, where you're just standing tall and your fingers are are spread wide, and your heart is open, and your ears are over your shoulders, your brain is releasing serotonin. You are getting good feeling chemicals released into your body. You are feeling confident in that pose. So that's a pose I take a lot um, throughout the day to kind of give my nervous system that little, like, you are a confident being. Keep going. Okay. So final question from Erica. Let's see. What are some good workouts to start making your legs turn over faster? I'm looking to decrease my 10k time, but I have trouble going faster during speed work. I feel like my legs won't turn over. Any advice? Of course we have advice. Of
1: course we do. First one is to change the story of not being a fast runner. If that belief is you're not gonna be a fast runner, then that's what's that's what's gonna continue to, to to expand. So right away, let's start changing the let's start changing the words. Let's say
0: my legs know, turn over so friggin' fast.
1: I'm gonna make them faster.
0: They right? are faster. They
1: are faster. So I'm getting faster and faster every day. I'm getting faster and faster every day. It may not manifest right now into what your potential is, but it will one yeah, day. Yeah, my legs
0: are turning over, my legs are turning right. over, my legs are turning so over. So that's number
1: one. I know that's that's a pretty obvious one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know we're coming in with that one. You know one. we're coming in. Change the story, friend.
1: But you know that, uh, yeah, I think every run that you have, whether it's, if you're doing speed work, obviously you're getting the speed work, but in your steady state runs, add in strides at the end. That's, the, that's money in the bank right there. So what is a stride? To me, a stride is to to do an effort at the end of these runs. Steady state runs are usually Z1, Z2 or a conversation pace. And you add in these progressions, in my opinion, that you go from, you know, standing still to an 85, 90% effort by the end of 15 seconds up to like a minute. But I would start with 15 seconds and you do four to six of them at the end of every single run. And if you hear our podcast with Sam Long, uh, not too long ago, he talks about a majority of his runs are steady state runs, and he adds in long intervals. Now, he's a professional triathlete. I think he does, you know, a minute uh, strides at the end. And Tommy Rives, actually, who was on the podcast, talked about that. Um, All these guys add in this quick turnover at the end of the runs because it gives your body just enough of the feeling of getting the legs turning over Without the load and impact that it takes to recover from so it's these quick hits. the other thing if you have a treadmill, definitely jump on the treadmill I set it you know set it to a quick quick pace and you know hop to the side, get it up to speed that you need it to hop back on run for fifteen to 20 seconds really quick and then rest for sixty seconds on the side and just repeat that that's that's how you can simulate strides uh, on a treadmill
0: what about um Anything that she can do on the bike that will help with turnover on the run? Yeah,
1: cadence work for sure. You know, a good cadence on the run is 180. You want 180 or more, in my opinion. So what does that mean, cadence? That you count the number of times your foot hits, one foot hits the the pavement. Uh, And so, yeah, on the bike, get that cadence work up. Get to a point on your bike where at the end of your bike, you can do the same thing. We are spinning quickly.
0: But you used to call those spin ups? Spin ups. Yeah.
1: So thirty seconds uh, up to sixty seconds, where you're spinning really fast at a, at a high cadence, but you're not your butt's not bouncing on the saddle. That's that's key, because when you get to that high revolution, low resist uh, low resistance, so you're not getting much resistance, your butt will bounce, you know, left and right. You want to find the point where you have just enough resistance that you can turn the pedals over over hundred revolutions per minute, but you're not bouncing on the saddle. That's very key. And that's uh, another thing circling back to what we first talked about, progress on it, like just do 15 seconds to start 20 seconds to start and then build from there. That will certainly help. It's connecting. What I've discovered is it's connecting and waking up the mind to what you want the legs to do specifically. So as an example, I was talking to uh, Mike, our P- my PT buddy, and talking about glutes and how the glute activation has changed my world. And he calls it glute amnesia because the mind is, has just lost the connection with the glute. It doesn't necessarily necessarily mean you're not working the glutes in your exercise. It's how present are you to, to be aware of what is actually activating while you're activating it. Again, presence. So the same thing when you're doing these strides and pickups on the trainer spin-ups, you're aware that your legs are turning over quicker. And that's that's where the gold is. That's where you start to embrace um, what it feels like to quickly turn the feet over. Now you're gonna do that in speed workouts too. I don't know how long your speed workouts are. If you're not feeling the legs turning over quick enough, shorten the distance, shorten the time, in my opinion. Get that, get that dialed in. And just as a complimentary exercise, jumping rope. I feel like jumping rope is a really good, good one because you're tapping your toes on the pavement. You know, you're, you're constantly like tap, 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 like super quick. And so you're generating uh, a little bit of force by picking up toe after toe after toe, alternating. And you're in- incorporating the coordination of the jump rope. And what we do with our athletes is I add that after our runs because I think it's a good indicator of how great their cadence was during that session fast or slow
0: awesome yeah I like it okay that was it this is it this podcast is over this is it I can keep going <laughs> no we gotta change over right. the from the podcast studio to the yoga studio because we got a class in 40 minutes so join us for yoga you guys join us for yoga it's been so cool to be able to connect with you guys and see you moving and breathe with us so the way we do it is um We co-teach, so you can always see one of us practicing, but it's so wonderful because we can see you practicing so the person who's teaching can see, you know, and see if anything, you know, is becoming a bad habit. Um, But also know that we've got some people that come on to Zoom and they don't want their video on or they don't turn it on. And um, that's cool too, right? Like do what feels aligned for you, but come and join us for yoga. And um, if you are a Patreon member, you guys, we have new tiers that are set up. This doesn't affect your monthly pledge unless you want it to. But you need to go in there and there's instructions there for you to enter into your tier because that's where we're posting the Zoom link for class. That's where I'm going to be posting the recording so you don't want to miss out on your perks.
1: Don't let the time of the class deter you from taking the class. Sign up for that $20.00 tier in patreon and you'll get the link for seven days i think that's a really important yeah aspect to to what we're providing
0: yeah awesome you guys we're going to be checking in after bryce canyon 50 miler so you're going to hear us again in a couple weeks because we're going to do a smackdown on that and i'm sure we'll be putting it out there if you guys have any questions about the experience um and uh how i got those legs to turn over for 50 all right i think that's it Final words of wisdom, Beege. lay them down. What's been on your mind lately?
1: Find out what you love and do more of it. A lot of it. So much of it so that it becomes what you do.